I did not begin when I was born, nor when I was conceived. I have been growing, developing through incalculable myriads of millenniums. All my previous selves have their voices, echoes, promptings in me. All my previous selves have their voices, echoes, promptings in me. I did not begin when I was born, nor when I was conceived. I have been growing, developing, through incalculable myriads of millenniums. All my previous selves have their voices, echoes, promptings in me. Oh, incalculable times again shall I be born. Welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week we are talking about, uh, we have we have a suite of episodes coming up about the afterlife. Yes. And today, specifically, we're talking about reincarnation. Yes. And this entire series is a super special dedication series which we have never done this before no Um, first time first time ever this episode is a special birthday present to a very special listener in the uk named alexandria lake uh her fiance neil got in touch with us and told us that her birthday was coming up want to do something really special and picked this topic for her so we have been researching the past two weeks and decided afterlife is way too intense to fit into just one. So now we have three special episodes coming up for Alexandria. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, Alexandria, if you're listening, which I hope you are, um, Neil would like to say that we all know it's a difficult time of the year for your brother's anniversary coming up. So stay strong. Enjoy your birthday. Enjoy your new house. And remember, you are surrounded by people who love you. Oh, so. that's nice. This is for you and Neil, you are a really special, awesome guy to think to do this for her. Because if I was a huge podcast fan and this happened for me, I would love it. Oh, yeah. So it would like blow my mind. I would be pumped. So, um, but also this is a topic we have been really excited to delve into for basically the entire time we've done this. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for inspiring us to finally do this. And now we get a a sweet three-parter, which we haven't done since Skinwalker Ranch right oh yeah wow that makes sense yeah yeah this is intense so yeah this first one is reincarnation but we'll talk a little bit about what the afterlife is for anyone who is unfamiliar with the concept um (laughs) which i doubt this is one of the few topics where i think pretty much everybody probably knows something about reincarnation about the afterlife you at least have some base understanding knowledge of what it is right um i hope so I hope so. But the afterlife in general is also referred to as life after death or the world to come. I like that one. Hmm. I like Um, that. Yeah. That sounds nice. 
It's an existence in which some believe the essential part of an individual's identity or their stream of consciousness continues to have after the death of their physical body. Um, which is about as simple as we can get because this topic is deep as hell and yeah. obviously unknowable in the sense that none of us really knows what happens after we die. Hmm. Um, so theists, that is people who believe in some kind of supreme being or deity, typically believe some afterlife in some form awaits people when they die, but not always. Um, the Sadducees were an ancient Jewish sect active around the time of Jesus Christ that generally believed that there was a God, but no existence after death, which is interesting. Hmm. That's, I think, kind of rare in the belief system. Um, the myriad of things that people believe, I think that's kind of rare. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I read about them said that, quote, resurrection was a dramatic and revolutionary doctrine. The Sadducees, being the conservative aristocrats, were naturally anxious about it. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Um, and it's also typical for people to believe that one's status in the afterlife, whether that be within reincarnation or um, our next episode will be specifically about heaven and hell is sort of an, a reward or a punishment for their conduct during life. So that is kind of a common theme throughout afterlife right. in general. Um, whether that be literally referred to as karma or something different, generally how you behave in your lifetime kind of dictates what's going to happen to you when you leave this life. Which makes sense. It's logical. Yeah, I think so. Um, so then reincarnation specifically is the philosophical or religious concept that an aspect of a living being starts a new life in a different physical body or form after each death. Um, also called rebirth or transmigration. Hmm. I like that. I like rebirth. Right. The word itself derives from Latin, literally meaning, quote, entering the flesh again. Dang. Don't like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan like of that. Car like, like carne asada. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Oh, man. Reincarne um, asada. Wow. <laughs> Gross. The Gross. Greek equivalent, <laughs> metempsychosis, derives from meta, which means change, and hmm. empsikoun, which means to put a soul into a term attributed to Pythagoras, an hmm. ancient Ionian Greek philosopher, best known for his mathematical formula, the Pythagorean theorem, but dude was also big into transmigration, believing Classic. that the human soul, I know, right? Like, just chilling with some triangles, but also hey, your soul goes into a different body when you die. I, I would say a Renaissance man, but it's more like Greek, Greek, Greek man? I don't know. <laughs> wow. Macedonian? <laughs> What's the Greek equivalent to Renaissance? I don't know. We're not huge. I mean, well, Gray's a bigger history buff. I'm not the biggest history buff, so. I know a lot about World War II, very yeah. specifically. Yeah, that's your specialty. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. No, he believed that the human soul can migrate from one body to another and also to the bodies of other creatures, such as animals or even plants, which I don't know what? if I'd ever thought about that before. Honestly. If I could be reborn, it would be pretty chill to be like a tree. Yeah, Just, right? Well, until yeah, a tree like super deep out in like, I don't know, Siberia or like in the Amazon rainforest where I'm not going to get chopped down and made into like some 
cheap piece of furniture that somebody has in their dorm room for six months and then they throw away and then you just end up in a landfill. Yeah. Maybe you get recycled into something else. But Probably has your soul already left the body once you get cut down? Has your does yeah. when does the soul leave a tree? That's true. I don't know. That's like one part of this that we did not get deep into. At least I did not. Maybe you did, but no, he um yeah, another Greek term sometimes used synonymously is palingenesis, being born again. Um, so basically reincarnation an aspect of every human being or all living beings in some cultures continues to exist after death. So this could be the soul, the mind, the consciousness, or something transcendent, which is reborn in an interconnected cycle of existence. Hmm. Um, So I think for a lot of people, this is really comforting in the sense that it's sort of less black and white, I think, than heaven and hell can seem where it's like you live this one life, however long that is. And, However you are in that one life is then either rewarded or punished at the end and that's it. Um, right. Reincarnation kind of gives you more opportunities where you have more of a chance to redeem yourself and to reach this higher state of consciousness, um, which is kind of nice. I've always thought the idea was nice and reading about it, doing this research, I like it even more than I did because I don't know. I just liked the idea that this wasn't, this isn't it that you right. do have more lives after this and you've had previous lives and um right well what, one thing about the the one aspect of death that freaks me out the most isn't the actual act of dying it's the fomo that i have of like you can only experience so much in a lifetime and doesn't matter even if you like consciously set out from age 10 to experience as much of the world as you possibly could you're barely going to scratch the surface no matter what so having the opportunity to live an infinite amount of lives throughout, you know, the span of history, it's comforting because then that means like, okay, I may not have seen the Grand Canyon in this, in this lifetime, but maybe I'll see it next lifetime, you know? Right. So. Yeah. Because YOLO, right? Well. <laughs> you only wait. live once. Wait. You only, you only live and then just the infinity sign at the end. <laughs> yeah. YOL infinity. YOL infinity. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's nice. Like it's. I don't know. And for some people, it makes sense. It makes somewhat logical sense if that even the word can even apply to this because to some people, it explains things like. So to me, I have just been thinking recently about the fact, and I don't even know how to put it into a topic necessarily, but the fact that everybody has very specific tastes in everything. Like we all have our own aesthetic that mm-hmm. we love, and we have aesthetics that we hate. Like we have certain styles of houses or colors or patterns Mm -hmm. or like anything that you can think of types of music that we just don't like at all and there are other people who love them and we might look at them or hear them and think like oh that's the worst i would never live in a house that looks like that i would never want a car that looks like that like what determines that right i mean obviously it's a very complicated thing but like there's no i can't imagine that there's like some serious life thing that happened that made you hate that you just for some reason you just hate that you hate that color or you hate that whatever or you love this certain thing and you don't really know why it just appeals to you i've always wondered why that was that Hmm. you know something like health conditions that can be explained more by genetics you know we get different sets of genes 
and each person gets a different set even you know, you're coming from all the same ancestors but you get a different combination and some of those suck and some of them are great right. that to me is more sciency that's just like yep yeah you have a heart condition because your fucking genes suck right but Genetics. yeah obviously paired with some real life experience or smoking or whatever else it might be but like me not liking this one style of music i don't get that what i mean makes that a thing right is it your your old soul that hated that style of music because three cycles ago you were murdered to the sound of that music or something <laughs> yeah Who right knows? or like even less dramatic than murdered like even just you know like you might have a certain band that you can't listen to anymore because you listened to it a lot when you were like really upset about something and now it just right you can't like, like maybe oh man it's I, was, like I was listening to the song all the time during the black plague and it just hasn't been the same <laughs> yeah exactly like just not the, well even weirdly enough when we set up we set up a puzzle table today and we haven't had a puzzle table up since like the beginning of quarantine and i was like man am i going to enjoy doing puzzles anymore because that was like what we did during the portion of quarantine where you were like thought that you were just going to be home for a month and then things would be back to normal. Uh, and I was uh, just like, man, I just feel like doing a puzzle is just going to feel like I'm waiting to not be in quarantine anymore. Right. So, you know, like is my next like lifetime going to that, that person or that whatever going to hate doing puzzles because they're going to remember the COVID-19 pandemic of their previous life, but they're not going to know it. Right. I don't know. Hmm. So, I don't know, that is one of the things that some people think makes sense with reincarnation, that we all have very, like uniquely different personalities and likes and dislikes because we are this amalgamation of these past lives, which I think is fascinating too. Right. Um, so, that's pretty much what reincarnation is. Then we can get into all sorts of origins and various religions that believe it, which is, warning, this is a very dense portion of this episode and we have only scratched the surface of all oh, there yeah. is to read oh, oh yeah. my god like every single like thousands of years of human existence into like an hour yeah it's it's a lot that pretty much every section of this like i could have dove way deeper than i did and part of it was because some of it's just confusing honestly if mm -hmm. you don't know the deep history of everything like right cultures and religions if you don't know how they all tie together and a whole lot of words that i learned for the first time this past couple <laughs> weeks it's great but it is kind of nice you like read more about stuff and then you start reading you know a different article about it and you're like oh yeah i remember reading about that like oh that makes right. sense now connect it all together oh yeah learning man learning <laughs> great so uh. the origins of the notion of reincarnation are pretty obscure um but as far back as the first century BCE, this is something I learned. Uh, BCE stands for Before the Common Era. Did you know this? Yes, I did. Wow. Okay. Uh, that is the start of the Gregorian calendar. So essentially a more modern and neutral version of BC, which we all mm -hmm. know is before Christ. Yes. Um, Secular. Yes. So anyways, yes. First century BCE. Alexander Polyhistor, a Greek scholar, wrote that the Gauls, a group of Celtic peoples of continental Europe from the 5th century BC, um, teach, quote, that the souls of men are immortal and that after a fixed number of years, they will enter into another body. Whoa. So that was a long fucking time ago. 
nailed it they were talking about that yeah that's pretty basic right there um discussion of the subject appears in the philosophical traditions of india the greek pre-socratics discussed it the celtic druids are reported to have taught a doctrine of reincarnation um so the celtic druids by the way apparently left no written record of their religion or belief system it yeah. was patched together from later Christian interpretations of the writings of observers such as Julius Caesar, who wrote that, quote, the principal point of their doctrine is that the soul does not die and that after death it passes from one body into another. It's kind of cool. wild. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been spoken of in many, many different cultures and religious systems all over the world. Oh, yeah. That's what surprised me the most. Yeah. Because you just think of it as a as a an eastern religion like as part of hinduism or jainism or even i think buddhism as well Mm. oh yeah but it's it's everywhere man it's it's everywhere it um it has roots in the upanishads the Mm -hmm. late vedic sanskrit texts of religious teaching and ideas still revered in hinduism Mm -hmm. um of the late vedic period which that's like 1100 to 500 bce uh, predating the Buddha and the Mahavira. Um, so, again, things that I learned. The Vedic period is the period in the late Bronze Age and early Iron Age, which is like so dope of a name. <laughs> Bronze Age. Um, of the history of India when the Vedas were composed, which are liturgical texts which formed the basis of the influential Brahmanic, Brahmanical ideology. Oh, man. So, so many words. So many words. It's thoughts giving rise to the primary and socio-religious belief and conduct in Hinduism. Um, Mm -hmm. Buddha, of course, was a philosopher, spiritual teacher, religious leader who lived in ancient India in the 5th and 4th century BCE um, Mm -hmm. and the founder of Buddhism. And Mahavira was the 24th... Oh, God. Tertankara? Yeah. That sounds A savior and spiritual teacher of the Dharma, the righteous path of Jainism, which is an ancient Indian religion. Um, so, yeah. These were religious texts. They have the early Vedas do not mention karma and rebirth, but these late Vedic texts do. So, mm. it's all over. It's a central tenet of all major Indian religions, uh, namely Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism, and Sikhism. which again that's kind of what you think of i think when you think of reincarnation you think of for me i thought of like buddhism was the the number one thing that came to mind exactly Um, so jainism for example assumes that the soul the jiva exists and is eternal passing through cycles of transmigration and rebirth after death reincarnation into a new body is asserted to be instantaneous in early jaina texts Depending on the accumulated karma, again, a rebirth occurs into either a higher or lower bodily form, either in heaven or hell or earthly realm. So that was kind of interesting to me. This isn't just that you're reborn into a body on earth. You could be reborn into a body in heaven or in hell. So kind of a right. blend of the kind two of in a way. the goal. Right. You, got, you want to kind of like climb your way up that ladder and make your way to the heavenly rebirth. Mm. Yeah fascinating um yeah no bodily form is permanent but liberation or kavala from reincarnation is possible through removing and ending karmic accumulations to one's soul 
So Kavala is the absolute knowledge of isolation attained through ascetic, uh, characterized by the practice of severe self-discipline and abstention from all forms of indulgence practices, which burn off one's karma residues, releasing one from bondage to the cycle of death and rebirth. So Hmm. when I first read this, it almost kind of sounded like lonely. I almost thought that that was an undesirable thing, that you would be released from the reincarnation and you would be no longer reborn. Um, Right. But it's a focal belief of Jainism to reach this Kavala described as a, quote, state of elevated or blissful existence comparable to Buddhism where they have nirvana. Right. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It sounded really kind of like, I guess, I don't know, just the word isolation that you were no longer going through this cycle anymore. It sounded like that was almost going to be like a punishment at first. But then I reading more about reincarnation, that is kind of a central tenet for a lot of these beliefs that you are trying to break the cycle. Right. I I, I assume it's because the the nature of existence is knowledge of suffering. And so to remove yourself from the cycle means that you no longer have to experience the suffering of like the physical world. Mm. That's at least that's why, why I assume you want to remove yourself from the cycle. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, your earthly existence is at least in the, our current state now. And apparently for our entire history is a lot of times rooted in a lot of material desires and carnal desires and selfishness and all kinds of things like that where it wouldn't really be ideal for this reaching the state of Kabbalah or the state of Nirvana where you are like it it said abstaining from indulgence and self-discipline I think a lot of our life currently does not really easily allow for that Um, right I don't know we're surrounded by ads and encouraged you know to buy more things and to climb higher on the corporate ladder and all the stuff that really isn't anything to do with your actual self. Right. Um, so yeah, I think they're trying to kind of escape that. Um, yeah. Like kind of like you said, the, the early Buddhist texts discuss rebirth as part of the doctrine of samsara, which asserts that the nature of existence is a quote, suffering laden cycle of life, death and rebirth without beginning or end. Hmm. Um, it's also referred to as the wheel of existence, the yes. bhava chakra, and is often mentioned in Buddhist texts with the term uh, punarbhava, which is rebirth or rebecoming. So, again, liberation from the cycle nirvana is the foundation and the most important purpose of Buddhism. They, the texts assert that an enlightened an enlightened person knows his previous births, a knowledge achieved through high levels of meditative concentration. Um, and the coolest part about all this, did you read about the the Samsara cosmology with the six realms? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So <laughs> cool. Okay. So in the early traditions, the Samsara cosmology, six realms through which the wheel of existence cycled. So mm-hmm. there were hells, hungry ghosts, animals, humans, demigods, and gods. Yes. Oh, my God. So... In some interpretations, these are described kind of as real places, but often they are more allegories mm-hmm. um, and some more pleasant than other. But it says that they are all, I'm not sure exactly how I'm saying this, but dukkha, which means pain, unhappiness, or stress. Um, right. And ultimately all temporary and imperfect. So 
Deva Gadi, the realm of gods and heavenly beings, is populated by godlike beings who enjoy great power, wealth, and long life. But even they grow old and die, and their privilege and exalted status left them blind to the suffering of others. And hmm. so they move along to their next life with neither wisdom nor compassion. Dang. Just like, yeah. Like, you think the realm of gods, like, that's going to be a good thing, right? No. Right. Nope. <laughs> um, and the creepiest one, Pridagadi, the realm of hungry ghosts, which just a cool yeah, like, visual. It's a, great, it's a great visual. <laughs> Pictured as full of beings with huge empty stomachs, but pinhole mouths and incredibly thin pinhole stomachs and incredibly thin mouths so they cannot swallow they are Oof. always looking outside themselves for a new thing that will satisfy the craving within associated with addiction obsession and compulsion so again we could go another hour talking just about these realms but i mm-hmm. we will not but i recommend that you listeners do because it's super cool um but it all made so much sense like i, I feel like that the hungry ghost i think is like the, probably the closest that we as current humans in this day and age get to where a lot of us are looking for something to satisfy us. And it's often not, I guess what would be considered godlike. Um, right. <clears throat> materialistic. Coolest. Yeah. We're looking for unhealthy relationships or yeah, money or material things or whatever that aren't really doing anything to bring us if you believe in a god that aren't doing anything to bring us closer to a a god or a more heavenly being they are just kind of feeding this or trying to feed this stomach that can never get full so great visual yeah pretty cool um Hmm. yeah the Indian spiritual teacher uh, Meher Baba stated that reincarnation occurs due to desires, and once the des- those desires are extinguished, the ego mind ceases to reincarnate. Hmm. So a lot of very, very similar <clears throat> ideas overall. I guess, I think before researching this, I really, which it turns out what I'm thinking of really is the very westernized version of reincarnation, is you just think oh cool like reincarnation is just like you just get reborn into something else and like that's great and you just do another life and then you just you (laughs) keep doing that over and there's like no purpose to it which of course is like the more easily palatable version for westerners it's just like cool just an endless cycle of fun lives yeah but Um, like everything else in the world we as westerners have distilled it down to like it's most basic elements and been like that's all there is to it yeah yeah i read in several places that basically our interpretation of reincarnation is very much uh not what people who truly believe in reincarnation particularly in the eastern world believe and they actually very specifically reject the sort of westernized version of it because it's not what they intended at all you don't say you don't say um but yeah found in many cultures we can kind of away from the indian culture it's was held by historic Greek figures. Um, again, Pythagoras, Socrates, Plato, dis- and discussion of the topic dates to the 6th century BCE. Mm-hmm. Um, Plato, interestingly, argued that the number of souls must be finite because souls are indestructible, which begs the question for me, does this mean that there could eventually be more physical bodies than souls? And if so, what does that mean? Serial killers and or sociopaths. Holy shit, man. But like, so wouldn't they don't that have mean... a soul. Hmm. 
Or have you ever met somebody where you just get a really creepy vibe? You look into their eyes and there's just nothing going on behind there. Or it's almost like like a predatory look behind their eyes. Because mm-hmm. they don't have a soul. No soul. But like... Yeah, if there just are more physical bodies than souls. Although I guess... So that could... You could essentially have a set number of souls again just for number purposes we'll just say 100 souls i know that's okay. <laughs> that's very very modest, 100 but... people on the planet <laughs> yeah just only 100 people 100 souls and let's say you know for a while there's only 50 bodies so that's great but then yeah mm-hmm. you get to like 100 bodies and now we're full and then you get a few more bodies so then there's no souls left for them but then you could theoretically some of those people could die right and then you've got another body for a soul to mm-hmm. go into so it's not like you fill up all the bodies and that's it. And then there's just excess or yeah, excess bodies, no souls. Like there will be some Hmm. cycling. So there could be some people born without a soul in that theory potentially, but then there would be other, like there would be people born with souls. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Be a mixture. Yeah. Yeah. Be a mix. So it wouldn't just be like, we get to the, some point where every person born just has no soul. But then it's like, I mean, our, uh, I want to say at the beginning, at the turn of the century, at the turn of the last century, the 1900s, I, I want to say that there was like a billion people or maybe even less than a billion people. Mm. And now we have what, six billion on the whole planet. Right. So it's like, if, if there is no creation of souls and if souls are indestructible, then that means that there's 5 billion people walking around this planet without souls. Right. I don't know. That's what I'm I saying. I think like, there has to be like some kind of soul generation. Especially if people are escaping the cycle of reincarnation and achieving nirvana or whatever the your your higher state of being and removing yourself from the cycle, then there's going to be a percentage of souls that are then taken out of the rebirth cycle. So there has to be some kind of soul factory somewhere. Somewhere. Right. Well, then the other theory is that... Um, Rather, there's like sort of one universal soul or universal energy that is entering however many physical bodies exist. So none are created or destroyed, but they're just inhabiting different space. Uh, So, you know, there's one like essentially never ending. I don't know. I don't even know. This is like so deep of a topic. I don't even know words for it. But yeah, one never ending supply of this energy and so just however many bodies there are, it's just filling whatever's there. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Just thought that was an interesting thought that he even had. Like, souls are finite. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's um, Greek Platonism, an ancient school of philosophy founded in like the 380s BC by Socrates' student and dis- disciple Plato. Um asserted that the pre-existence of the soul in a celestial world and its fall into a human body happened due to sin. Um, again, hmm. in order to be liberated from its bondage and return to a state of pure being, the soul needs to be purified through reincarnation. So Plato had been kind of influenced by the earlier philosophical schools, including Orphism. So Orphism was originated in the ancient Greek and Hellenistic world, um, associated with literature ascribed to the mythical poet Orpheus, who descended into the Greek underworld and returned. So the central focus is the suffering and death of the god Dionysus at the hands of the Titans. Hmm. So the infant Dionysus is killed, torn apart, and eaten by the Titans. Like, 
bros. And Zeus strikes them with a thunderbolt in retribution. And from those ashes, humanity is born. And that humanity has a dual nature, body inherited from the Titans and a divine spark or soul inherited from Dionysus. Interesting. Kind of cool, right? Um, So Orphism taught reincarnation around the 6th century BC as well. And organized in itself into mystery schools so these were religious schools of the greco-roman world for which participation was reserved to initiates sounds kind of cool mm-hmm. um and lots of literature sprung from that and orpheus the founder is said to have taught that the immortal soul aspires to freedom while the body holds it prisoner um yeah Whoa. he proclaimed the need of the grace of the gods dionysus in particular and of self-purification until the soul has completed the spiral ascent of destiny to live forever. Wow. Like, this might be my favorite topic ever. (laughs) I'm just so into this. Like, could talk about this for days. I don't know. I just think it's cool. Like, all the religions are crazy. We could have so many episodes, just like an episode just about a certain religion, because all religion is unknowable. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely true. It's fascinating. And we're touching on like a million different ones in this episode. And it took all of my power to recognize that this is a really intense topic. And if I dove into every religion that I touched on, I would never come up for air. You'd have like 40 Um, pages of notes. Yeah, it would be a lot. I already have 11, which is on the higher (laughs) end for me, but not uncommon. I think maybe 50% of episodes I have over eight pages of notes. Jesus. Um, But I don't know, just fascinating. So... I just, I don't think I knew before researching this that this was such a common, seemingly common belief in even this Greek world of yeah. all these philosophers were believing this. I had no idea. I literally thought this was like a an Eastern Buddhist religion thing. I had no idea that it was, there were like Western and even, as we'll see, like even some like Christian and Jewish religions that... yeah have reincarnation as a central tenet i had no idea yeah no clue um yeah again common belief of various ancient and modern religions there's uh, spiritism a religion started in the 19th century by the french educator hippolyte leon Desnazard Revel, that postulates that humans along with all other living beings are essentially immortal spirits that temporarily inhabit physical bodies for several necessary incarnations to attain moral and intellectual improvement like and to me too like reading back these notes drives it home even more again that like all of these beliefs are essentially the same in oh, yeah. the important ways like that is just another way of saying what we've already said um, it's remarkably consistent yeah oh yeah um there is let's see what else do we have here do 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 oh no got lost in my notes oh geez oh god okay um <laughs> this religion a movement called Ekankar, founded by paul twitchell in the 60s with the spiritual home being a temple of ek in minnesota the name Sick. means i know the name means co-worker with god which like <laughs> what totally you know i don't respect any religion more than a religion founded in fucking minnesota where yeah. you are a co-worker of god a co-worker but then they say one of the basic tenets is that the soul, the true self, may be experienced separate from the physical body and travel freely in other planes of reality, which is kind of cool. Um, like astral projection, kind of? I guess, yeah. Just hmm. 
Just go whenever you want. Um, in Greco-Roman thought, the concept of metempsychosis disappeared with the rise of early Christianity, reincarnation being incompatible with the Christian core doctrine of salvation of the faithful after death. Again, we will, in the next episode, we will talk about that. Oh, um, yeah. And heaven and hell, which is going to be super cool. If you don't know, Gray and I both have a Catholic school upbringing. Oh, yeah. Um, not a religious family per se, but we went to Catholic school for our entire schooling. So 14 years straight. Yeah. We got some thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> got some lingering trauma. Just, yeah, just a little bit. Um, None of the early, just completely jumping to a different section of the world here. None of the early Taoist texts mention reincarnation explicitly. Um, Taoism being a Chinese philosophy based on the writings of Lao Tzu advocating humility and religious piety this was founded like in 1600 bce um but zhuangzi gosh i'm probably butchering that uh the most significant (laughs) of china's early interpreters of taoism whose work is considered one of the definitive texts of taoism said this is a great quote um birth is not a beginning death is not an end there is existence without limitation there is continuity without a starting point Existence without limitation is space. Continuity without a starting point is time. There is birth, there is death, there is issuing forth, there is entering in. That through which one passes in and out without seeing its form, that is the portal of God. Hmm. So, sounds kind of reincarnation-y to me. Yeah, I like that. A little bit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's some dogs. my dog, Penny. <laughs> yep, that sounds like Penny. Peeny. Pen pal. Pen pal. Um, the majority of denominations within the Abrahamic religions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam do not believe that individuals reincarnate. Though, so I saw this Pew Forum survey in 2009 that found, it initially said that 24% of American Christians expressed a belief in reincarnation, but then right. another source said just said that 24% of Americans. Yeah. So I'm not uh. sure which that is. I wonder that's that's very interesting whether or not I mean I could totally see um you know knowing many Catholics and Christians throughout my life I could totally like I've 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 known people who would call themselves Catholics or Christians who would profess like at least a casual belief in reincarnation because mm-hmm. it's like fun or interesting or makes some kind of logical sense so I could totally see that or being crossover there but um yeah, I could totally also see it being a kind of a secular thing like, oh, like I don't believe in an organized religion, but reincarnation makes sense to me. Yeah. I could see it going yeah. either way. I could definitely I could see twenty four percent of Americans for sure believing it. I don't know about twenty four percent of Christians, but either way, that's a significant number, whichever way you slice it. Um But again, while the majority of Judaism and Christianity do not believe in reincarnation there are particular groups within these religions that do right um there is uh kabbalah which is also translated as mysticism or occult knowledge a part of the jewish tradition that deals with the essence of god believing that true knowledge and understanding is obtainable and through which the greatest intimacy with god can be attained which i like that that's intense Uh, yeah it teaches a belief in gilgul transmigration of souls and hence the belief in reincarnation is universal in Hasidic Judaism, which regards the Kabbalah as sacred and authoritative. Um, I think a lot of people are somewhat familiar with Hasidic Judaism. It's 
a Jewish religious group that arose as a sort of revival movement in Western Ukraine during the sixth or 18th century um, mm. and spread around. It's I think exclusive, almost exclusively now in United States and fuck, I can't remember where else, but it's kind of noted for its religious and social conservatism and social exclusion. Yes. And kind it's of the dudes sure most with, people the, can. with the hats and the, the long, um, uh, man, what are those things called? Sideburns and like the long sideburns and like yes. black clothing and very conservative and, you know, identifiably Hasidic Jewish to create yeah. sort of an enclave and create an, an insular community. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. I did sort of a dive into Hasidic Judaism a while ago, just watched a movie about it and then watched like several more documentaries about it because it was just so interesting to me Yeah, how one of those communities that can be extremely fulfilling and helpful for a lot of people, but also can be extremely toxic to some people. Yes. It's very controversial, I think in a lot of circles, including even within Judaism. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's super interesting. Um, Even the practice of conversion to Judaism itself is sometimes understood within Orthodox Judaism in terms of reincarnation. Um, (laughs) Sort of when non-Jews are drawn to Judaism, it is because they had been Jews in a former life. So such souls may, quote, wander among nations through multiple lives until they find their way back to Judaism. Which is really interesting. Yeah, the conversion to another religion itself is a fascinating topic, especially something like that where somebody could feel so strongly. um, And that, we'll get into that a little bit later too, but even that desire even outside of just judaism is felt by some to be a sign of reincarnation like why would somebody be so drawn to this one religion or this one culture or whatever if they didn't have some past life tie to it right Um, interesting (laughs) so yeah but then around the like 11th and 12th century in europe there were several reincarnationist movements that were persecuted as uh hearsays throughout the establishment of the Inquisition in the Latin. Yeah. Nice. I said it wrong, didn't I? I think you, I think you said hearsays. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I could not that let happen. that slide. Yeah, it's fine. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that, that was not a, a positive thing to be thinking for a time there. Yeah. Christians don't um, take kindly to that. No, there, and again, there were certain groups within this, um, that kind of believed in that, the the Cathars, sort mm-hmm. of unorthodox Christian movement between the 12th and 14th century in Southern Europe, uh, believed in twin opposing deities of a New Testament good God and an Old Testament evil God. And they believed in reincarnation. Dope. Kind of cool. Yeah, I know. Um, there are the Alawites, a sect of Shia Islam that tends to be extremely secretive due to historical persecution that apparently believes in reincarnation as well. Um, there is the the Druze. I think I'm saying that right. I think so. An Arabic-speaking esoteric ethno-religious group originating in Western Asia, who mm. self-identify as the people of monotheism, believe that there is an eternal duality of the body and the soul, and that it is impossible for the soul to exist without the body. Therefore, reincarnations occur instantly at the moment of one's death. Hmm. Um. So in some Hindu and Buddhist beliefs, 
A soul can be transmitted to any living creature, but the Druze system is not that flexible. They believe that it will not only only transfer to another human body, but like a male Druze could only go to another male Druze. Oh, and even interesting. a Druze soul would only go into another Druze. You would not be reincarnated into a different religion even. Hmm. Which is interesting. Um, very few are able to recall their past, but if they are able to, they are called a Natek. Hmm. And unlike other Abrahamic faiths, heaven and hell are spiritual. So they believe that heaven is the ultimate happiness received again when the soul escapes the cycle of rebirths and reunites mm-hmm. with the creator. And hell is conceptualized as the bitterness of being unable to reunite. Interesting. That's cool, man. That's both in one. <laughs> That's reincarnation and heaven and hell. And you've like taken the escaping the cycle even further to say that if you're escaping it and you're reunited with the creator you're in heaven and if you haven't you're in hell so we're all in hell <laughs> that tracks that scans <laughs> that scans yeah. i mean yeah, currently yes we are a little bit in hell yeah more more than a little bit yeah just you know like 50 percent. <laughs> there's still like 70. such great things in life i like have a hard time saying that but like it's a little hellish too that's true existence that's is good. pain yeah i mean yeah you and i are both coming from the side of like we both have kids at home so like i don't want to say that life is hell because no yeah i've got this kid and he's amazing and everything that he does is perfect and beautiful and Mm -hmm. like being with him is incredible so like life isn't hell but like it is also life isn't hell but life is hellish how about that yeah that's that's fair (laughs) it's better he's awesome and this year this year has been awesome because i get to be with my son all the time yeah and that is beautiful and that would not have been a thing were we not in this hellish pandemic right so there you, go. you know just like always looking for that silver lining i guess there you go to the point where it's like annoying enough that i don't even want to say it out loud to people <laughs> i'm like there's good things about this year and people are like fuck you fuck you there's no fuck good you things. in your optimism yeah fucking a um so <laughs> we get to talk about that all day too oh, um yeah. So a wider acceptance of reincarnation was promoted in the Western world beginning only really in the 19th century by theosophy and later by anthroposophy. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah. Theosophy is a religion established in the U.S. I did not know any of this, by the way. Mm. Um, in the late 19th century, founded primarily by the Russian immigrant Helena Blavatsky and Madame draws its Blavatsky, teachings. yeah. Yeah. Wow. You Are you familiar with this already? Oh yeah. Yeah, she's a she's a she's a wellspring of a lot of wild esoteric beliefs. I also want to say she may or may not have inspired the Nazis. Okay. I like knew that theosophy sounded familiar. We have started and stopped a uh, Nazi related topic several times now and I was like I know <laughs> yes. I've read a little bit about this before somehow. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Cool. She's the wellspring. Well, that's great. Yeah, she a lot of the teachings come from her writings um, categorized by scholars of religion as part of the occultist stream of Western esoteric- esotericism. God. Mm. Yeah. And draws upon both older European philosophies such as Neoplatonism and Asian... Ah, wow. I'm terrible at talking. Wow. Hey. <laughs> We've all been Asian there. religions such as Hinduism and Buddhism. So that sounds really nice on the surface. It when does. Don't and, dive too deep, I guess. If you boil it down to its essence, it's not a terrible thing. It's just more like 
you get into the specifics and kind of the overarching themes, you're like, ooh, this is a little. Mm. There's some there's some race theory in there. There's some the measuring of craniums, and it's just not a it's not oh. a good scene. Yikes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that was the hard thing about this episode too. Again, without doing a deep dive because it wasn't really necessary for the context of reincarnation more just to show the diversity of the religions that believe it. Right. But there were a lot of these religions that I like, basically I'm just trying to get a quick summary of what they believe mm -hmm. and not necessarily saying that they are good or bad. Just like, this is kind of what they yeah. believed and yeah, this some are not, not so great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there is a uh, anthroposophy founded in the early 20th century by Rudolf Steiner that postulates the existence of an objective, intellectually comprehensible spiritual world accessible mm -hmm. to human experience. Um, if you ever heard of Waldorf schools or Waldorf teaching, that is also known as Steiner teaching. Mm -hmm. um, the cultivation of students' imagination and creativity is a central focus, and teachers and schools alike have a great deal of autonomy in determining curriculum, teaching methodology, etc. I had no mm -hmm. idea that Waldorf schools were taught by the creator of this very interesting religion yeah. slash philosophy also an inspiration for esoteric nazism yeah true and also a lot of the <laughs> i don't know if it's necessarily like grounded in the actual belief system but a lot of parents of these waldorf schools are very anti-vax and things like that so yeah also anti anybody who's not white yeah that's true too that's so that's good yeah, yeah. so there's that again we are not um you know, saying that any of these things are good, just they exist. No. Yes, they, they exist, exist and they believe in some form of reincarnation. Yeah, exactly. So take that how you will. Um, there is Unity Church, an organization founded by Charles and Myrtle Fillmore in 1889 that grew out of transcendentalism and became part of the New Thought Movement, um, originally considered as a, quote, positive practical Christianity teaching daily applications of truth exemplified by Jesus Christ, but now describes itself as, quote, for people who might call themselves spiritual, but not religious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like religious, that. but I'm spiritual. I'm yeah. not honest, but you're interesting. <laughs> oh. oh, shit. What's that from? Some stand-up comedian, like from back in our childhood. God. Yeah. That was like something that we quoted a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, I liked that journey that I just went on. Um, <laughs> like we were teaching truth exemplified by jesus but now we're just like eh, are you spiritual but not religious we'll take you yeah we're vaguely spiritual yeah um they believe the understanding of spiritual truth cannot possibly make sense unless we accept the idea of reincarnation okay i kind of love this though um quote i think i believe this is it was on their actual website and i believe this is like from one of the pastors of this religion mm. um Quote, if our purpose as spiritual beings engaged in a human experience is to bring more of our spiritual energy into tangible expression to achieve that new dimension of consciousness that Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven, then it must follow that the process requires more than the limits of a single lifetime. <laughs> like, that can be applied to so many things. Like, if we're trying to achieve... I mean, like, okay, whew, this is <laughs> the deepest topic ever, but, like, think about... You at the, your current age, even just compare yes. yourself to 10 years ago. Like how different oh, yeah. are you? A whole different person. It's insane. Like the things that I see pop up on time hop, like that I posted as a status 10 years ago, like some of the words <laughs> that I used, some of the references that I made, 
just the way that I talked or like the way I remember thinking at the time is so different than now. And that has only changed because I've had more experience in life and like right. met more people and heard more stories and lived more experiences like that can only be achieved. So just, there's just no way that any one person could truly, I think, achieve like this highest level of compassion and love and understanding in one single life, especially we aren't all guaranteed some 90 year long life. Oh yeah. So like, I don't know if you died tomorrow, like think of all the things that you haven't attained yet. Oh, I know. Just I got in this FOMO real hard. Yeah. You'd be so pissed. So pissed. Like you would definitely be on your deathbed. Just like, fuck. Damn it. So many places I haven't been. I know. And yeah, I don't know. I thought about that the other day. Like some of my deepest thinking comes when I go out with Julian in the morning and then I'm driving home and he's asleep in the car and I'm just like thinking about deep shit. (laughs) And I thought about that. I was just like, man, is life really just like we start to understand more and more things because we live them eventually or we just have some greater understanding of them. We, you know, understand like right now we both understand parents more because we are parents now we couldn't understand it the way we do now before we just i thought that i did you know not as much as i could but i thought i had a pretty good understanding of what it would be like to be a parent and i had no idea yeah you have like a like an an intellectual understanding but once you've lived it once you've i don't know not slept for like three nights in a row and yeah you have shit on your hand and you're trying to change a diaper (laughs) and the dogs are barking then you're like yeah. oh i see yeah i get this oh yeah and i i used to think that i like i understood being at the store and like hearing a baby crying and i like i was never a person who was like oh like fucking baby but <laughs> i thought that i was pretty good with that like where i would just be like oh but i remember like hearing a baby just crying his eyes out sounded like a newborn when julian was maybe like six months old and i remember like i wanted to go to that woman and like hug her because right. i was like i understand how you feel that thankfully julian was never like a screamer in stores but mm-hmm. i had that fear every time he went out like oh my god what if he loses oh, yeah. his mind right and i don't know what to do or i have to still check out my groceries and everybody's like staring at me and hating me Yep. and i wouldn't understand that without having lived it to some extent so right i don't know this tangent all to say that like that quote made a lot of sense to me that like of course none of us could reach this peak point of yeah being this like totally closer to god whatever you believe in doesn't need to be a god but closer to this ideal person in just one lifetime it's not possible no definitely not um yeah so a few more religions uh wicca a neo-pagan religion focused on nature that advocates the tenets harm none do as ye will believes in a form of karmic return where one's deeds are returned either in the current life or in another life threefold um, in order to teach one lessons so reincarnation is therefore an accepted part of the wiccan faith didn't know that hmm. either i did not know that kind of cool interesting yeah and um even okay this is this gets a little crazy uh, uh quick quick little note so there's also Surviving texts indicate there was a belief in rebirth in Germanic paganism. Mm. Um, it's an intrinsic part of some Northern Native American and Inuit traditions. Kind of yes. cool. 
thought that was really cool. I didn't, again, didn't dive deep into that, but sweet. But um, past reincarnation, usually termed past lives, is a key part of the principles and practices of the Church of Scientology. Yep. Yeah, they Oh, man, the one true the, religion. Oh, yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> they believe that the human individual is actually a thetan. Am I saying that right? I think so. Okay. That's how I've heard a it thetan. said. I'm not an expert. <laughs> You're not an expert? Are you sure? I'm not sure. The one disclaimer of this show is that we are not experts <laughs> on Scientology. No. And we... I am not saved. No. Um, yeah, a Thetan is an immortal spiritual entity that has fallen into a degraded state as a result of past life experiences. So, in Scientology, auditing is intended to free the person of these past life traumas and recover past life memory leading to a higher state of spiritual awareness. So it's meant to bring the individuals to clear status. So an individual being audited is known as a PC or pre-clear. Like, yeah. again, I could have spent a whole day on this. And like, this was the part I really had to stop myself because I was like, I want to know more. Yep. Um, this idea is echoed in their highest fraternal religious order, the C organization, S-E-A, whose motto is Revenimus, or We Come Back, and whose members sign a, quote, billion-year contract as a sign of commitment to this ideal. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Scientology, man. It's a joke. wanted to read so much more about that, but just FYI, they believe in reincarnation. Um, Which, again, like, some slightly different wording, but essentially the same idea. They have these past-life traumas. They need to reach this higher state of awareness so they're kind of trying to clear this this past life that's like exactly what everything else has been talking about too mm-hmm. um so yeah by the the 19th century the philosophers schopenhauer and oh, i can never say this name n-i-e-t-z-s-h-s-c-h-e nietzsche yes there you go could <laughs> Again, one of those na- I've seen it written a million times and I like know how it sounds in my brain, but I know that's not right. Exactly. Could access the Indian scriptures for discussion of the doctrine of reincarnation. And so by the 20th century, interest in reincarnation had been introduced into the very new discipline of psychology, largely due to the influence of William James, who the first educator to offer a psychology course, he was like known as the father of psychology. Hmm. Um who raised aspects of the philosophy of mind, comparative religion, and the psychology of religious experience. So, kind of cool. Like, again, it's, like, sort of intertwined in all of these different, like, philosophical and psychological discussions, too, which I think is fascinating. It's not solely a religious belief in that sense. Right. Right. A little more, a little more, uh, I don't know, logical for some people. Just like, yeah, of course. It seems like it's a part of our you know, our thought process or part of our understanding of the world. Hmm. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. The famous World War II American general George Patton was a strong believer in reincarnation. Yeah. He believed that he had seen combat many times before in previous lives and that he was a reincarnation of the Carthaginian general Hannibal. It's wild. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Patton had a a a massive ego too so of course it's not just like mm-hmm. oh i was like some fucking no like n- insignificant soldier during like the napoleonic wars no of course he was one of the greatest generals of all time that is still remembered to this day yeah exactly that was 
exactly my thought was like, oh, okay, that's like an interesting choice. Weird you specifically flex, but okay. You were this guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it became a very popular idea and even like was talked about in like various popular kids books and things like became like a very casual thing to mention. And, you know, I think nowadays in our current life now, it's one of those things like it's not weird to talk about. It's not like totally sacrilege i think for most people to have some belief in it so oh yeah kind of kind of interesting so we kind of can jump from from that to like this past life recall aspect yes. of reincarnation which is super interesting to me yeah this is kind of like where like the rubber meets the road and things get a little bit more practical i guess you could say because you have people who are potentially recalling their past lives in such detail that you're able to fact check it and you would think that, you know, you could just dismiss all of these cases out of hand. But when you get into some of these cases, it's like, oh, shit, like they verify like they like people know things about times and places that they never that there's no possible way they could have known about. And mm. then they're verified later. And it's like, how did they how did they know that? And there's kind of no right. other explanation. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly the thought and this was actually one of the things i was most excited to dive into with this topic because i had read a lot of stories about this past life recall and just the idea that yeah people would remember these details whether like for whatever reason it was brought up these a lot of times kids will just suddenly remember their previous life right um so yeah there's a, a man named theodore flournoy a swiss professor of psychology um, an author of books on parapsychology and spiritism was among the first to study a claim of past life recall in the course of his investigation of famous Swiss medium Helene Smith published in 1900 in which he defined the possibility of cryptomnesia. So hmm. that I believe was a term coined by him is when a forgotten memory returns without it's being recognized as such by the subject who believes it is something new and original. Um, a sort of memory bias basically where somebody falsely recalls generating a thought idea tune name joke whatever so they're not intentionally like plagiarizing but they are experiencing a memory as if it were new inspiration so i thought that right. was super cool so hmm. good example of this was a case um, called the bridey murphy case oh um, yeah yeah november between november 1952 and august 1953 Maury Bernstein, at the time an amateur hypnotist, used hypnotic regression six different times on a Colorado woman named Virginia Burns, Virginia Burns Tighe, who allegedly lived a past life as a woman named Bridie Murphy in 19th century Ireland. Um, so while she was under hypnosis, she spoke with a thick Irish accent, despite the fact that she didn't have an accent and had never been to Ireland. Hmm. Um, she told detailed stories of Bridie's life from the age of eight when Bridie lived in Cork up through the fall that she later suffered that resulted in her death as an adult. Um, there ended up being a book on the case, The Search for Bridie Murphy, published in 1956, which apparently kicked up like a huge pop culture storm. There were come-as-you-were parties and <laughs> bars served reincarnation cocktails. I fucking love all of that. <laughs> I want to do that. I would love, like, once the pandemic's over, like, a come-as-you-were party would be dope. Right. Um, but however, the case eventually collapsed the various key elements, including like when she was supposedly born and died, couldn't be verified. And eventually it came out that she had grown up across the street 
in Wisconsin from a neighbor who was an immigrant from Ireland named Bridie Murphy Corkle. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn so, it. again, not an intentional deceit, but she just was remembering this neighbor that she grew up across the street from, maybe didn't have super front of the mind conscious memories of this, but kind of put these together as like, yeah, I lived in Ireland in a past life. Right. Um, which is kind of cool. So of course there exists past life regression, which is a method using hypnosis to recover what pr- practitioners believe are memories or past lives. Um, widely considered discredited and unscientific Experts generally regard claims of recovered memories as fantasies, delusions, confabulation, which is similar to cryptomnesia, um, sort of the production of these distorted or fabricated memories. So, but yeah, I found an article that was titled Nine Signs That You May Have Had a Past Life. So in case you're curious. (laughs) Nice. Let's um, find out. Deja vu, which one of the interesting things that we didn't go too deep into that is supposed to be a sign of a past life that having deja vu which again if you don't know listening deja vu is when you kind of go through an experience you have like this sudden click of a moment where you're like i've done this before can last for any length of time um but that's supposed to be for some a sign of reincarnation that you are feeling deja vu because you have had that experience before or been to that place before in a past Hmm. life yeah Unusual memories where sort of memories that you can't quite pinpoint where they're from or why you have them that don't really make sense in the context of your life. Um, Recurring dreams or nightmares, irrational fears or phobias. So beyond something really simple, like if you had a crazy, like I'm afraid of parade floats, like why? Um, (laughs) That was like really giant flags. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah. Like what is that? So more specific, like, there are all kinds of weird, like somebody's afraid of like pickles or right. I don't even know dogs and they can't explain why, like things like that. Um, you were mauled to death by a dog in your past life. Yeah, exactly. Like makes sense. If you don't have a memory of a negative experience with a dog in this life and you are terrified of them, terrified of something that most people are not even apprehensive about, that could be a sign that you had some past life experience. That would make sense. Um, Yeah. And affinity for unfamiliar cultures, uh, really strong passions, the un- uncontrollable habits like switching the lights or hoarding, inexplicable pain that can't be pinpointed by doctors, and even birthmarks are thought to be potentially, yeah, yeah like one of your past lives, somebody was burned or stabbed or something, and you have a birthmark in that spot where there would be a scar. Right. So interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. So... There's a book called Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives by a man named Jim Tucker, who is a psychiatry professor at the University of Virginia, who I think is or was. There's some some of the wording around these articles made it seem like he is no longer alive, but I'm not sure about that. Hmm. Jim, if you're if you're listening. <laughs> um, Hit us up. Yeah. Tucker follows in the footsteps of the late. Oh, no, wait, here we go. Falls in the footsteps of the late Ian Stevenson. So Ian Stevenson is the one who passed. Ah, I see. Who, for decades, investigated cases in which young children around the world spontaneously volunteered in great detail recollections that seemed to be about someone else's life. So Stevenson published 12 books on the subject. Jesus. Um, between him and Tucker, there have been more than 2,500 cases compiled. Um, So I've got 
a cool kid one. I think you have a cool kid one, the World War II one. Yeah. So we will give you some examples. So you want to start with yours? Yeah. So with, with James. Yeah. Um, so this kid, he's eight years old, James Leninger of Louisiana. Um, so when he was about two years old, he started talking about like planes and aviation. Um, his parents weren't like plane buffs. They didn't really know much about planes other than just like common knowledge. And so they were like pretty amazed when he started to display like a, a pretty extensive knowledge of planes as a two-year-old. And I have to admit like that's pretty wild because like two-year-olds could be just recently learning how to talk, let alone like understanding, I don't know, planes and aviation. But anyways, so he then started to have nightmares about being shot down by a plane with a red sun on it, which World War II buffs will know that the Japanese Empire, their uh, the zeros that they flew, the type of plane, um, were emblazoned with a big red sun. Um, he then started having dreams and memories of being Lieutenant James McCready Houston, a World War II fighter pilot from Pennsylvania who had been killed in Iwo Jima more than 50 years earlier. Thanks. So his mom said he would scream at the top of his voice, airplane crash on fire. Can't get out. Help. As he kicked and pointed to the ceiling, which let me say now as a parent, if my child was doing that, <laughs> I would be terrified. I would be like calling like doctors and like, that would be such a horrifying experience. Oh yeah. Um, he ended up telling his parents he had flown on a plane called the Corsair and had taken off from a boat called the Natoma. So these are all like very, very specific memories. Like, you know, it, not only do they, do they have the name of the pilot that he was supposedly reincarnated after, um, they have his the place of birth, which is Pennsylvania. They knew that he fought in Iwo Jima and was shot down in Iwo Jima. His plane was called the Corsair and the boat that he took off of was called the Natoma. So they did some research and they found that there had been an escort carrier called the Natoma Bay which had been in the Battle of Iwo Jima. And there was indeed a pilot named James Houston whose plane was shot down by the Japanese in Iwo Jima. Or no, not in Iwo The plane wasn't shot down during the Battle of Iwo Jima, but it was shot down during World War II by this dude, James Houston. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So it's basically like he had all this very specific knowledge of living and dying in world war ii had a name he had receipts gave the gave it all out and they checked up on it and it more or less all tracked like it like he knew stuff very specific things that like i don't feel like a two-year-old would just be able to pick up and i don't know at the very least like somebody would have had to intentionally like coach him into doing this right yeah if it's faked yeah it seems crazy he even knew he had a friend on the boat named jack larson which he the pilot in the plane next to his when the crash happened was jack larson who had been on the carrier as well like that's Jesus. such specific like the only thing i could think of was that if maybe maybe this was like a very advanced two-year-old and he had like you know some history channel documentary was on and he watched it and right. like retained all of that right which I guess that's possible. I don't really know if that yeah. specific pilot dying like was anything that would be on a History Channel documentary like that. But right. But that's still 
that would be, I think, unlikely for a two-year-old to see that and retain it and repeat it and, like, obviously internalize that whole experience that he saw in the documentary so intensely that he was having these nightmares and, like, screaming about it and saying that he had been there. Like, that's a lot, I oh, think. Yeah. That's intense. So, like, screaming about it. Yeah. Like, clearly, hmm. well, the thing that I read about that said that this this kid, this two-year-old, had, like, classic signs of PTSD, which, like, how? Jesus. Would, yeah, right? Yeah, how would that happen? Um, Yeah, and that to me is just, like, the kid ones to me are the wildest, I think, because it's just, I don't know, I've always thought that if you were to reincarnate, that you would have the most vivid memories of your previous life as a child, and maybe even some of those most vivid memories would be before you were even able to communicate or to speak, so nobody would ever know. Um, right. But, because there's a lot of stories like this where somebody, a kid, has these memories up until they're you know four or five or something and then they no longer have the memories which would would track i think with that type of thing where you would remember them for a certain time but then you know you're Mm -hmm. multiple years into your life and those memories would fade and oh yeah that would be that would be it today um did i dream that stuff right yeah it would seem hazy and that's i don't know there's a lot of things like that i think where you can kind of look back and think like yeah was that a memory like did i see that in a movie read it in a book like you would at some point you'd just be like oh it was probably just something that i read you know it was right whatever so yeah one of the stories that i loved was um so this kid named ryan so when he was four he began directing imaginary movies so he was always in his room you know shouting action and doing all this stuff which that by itself like is not unusual kids get into things like that right um But his parents started getting concerned when he started waking up in the middle of the night, screaming and clutching his chest, saying he dreamed his heart exploded when he was in Hollywood. Um, Jesus. So his mother asked his doctor. They just said night terrors. He'll outgrow them. It's no big deal. Um, (laughs) But one night, his mom tucked him into bed, and Ryan suddenly took hold of her hand and said, Mama, I think I used to be someone else. Just like, gave me chills. (laughs) Okay. Um, Hope that never happens. (laughs) Yeah. He said he remembered a big white house and a swimming pool. It was in Hollywood, many miles from his Oklahoma home. He said he had three sons, but that he couldn't remember their names. He began to cry, asking his mother over and over why he couldn't remember their names. Just got chills again. Yep. Um, and he continued for days to be upset about that, that he couldn't remember. Um, so one day they were just paging through a book about Hollywood because she had gotten it out from the library to try to help him remember or figure out whatever. Right. Um, he suddenly stopped at a black and white still taken from a 1930s movie called Night After Night. <laughs> Two men in the center of the picture were confronting one another. Four other men surrounded them. His mother didn't recognize any of the faces, but Ryan pointed to one of the men in the middle. Hey, Mama, he said, that's George. We did a picture together. His finger then shot over to a man on the right. That guy's me. I found me. <laughs> the book didn't provide any of the names of the actors, but she quickly confirmed that the man Ryan said was George in the photo was indeed a George, uh, George Raft, an all but forgotten film star from the thirties and forties. So that was the guy that he had done a picture with. Interesting. Um, yeah, she couldn't identify the man that Ryan said was him, but she forwarded it to Tucker, this, uh, author of this book. And he passed it along to a film archivist who did weeks of research and confirmed that the man was Martin Martin, an uncredited extra in the film. So Tucker and the family traveled to California to meet Martin's daughter. 
she confirmed dozens of facts that Ryan had given about her father. Um, He said that he danced and the father was a Broadway dancer. He said um, his old address had Rock in the name and it was 825 North Roxbury Drive. That he had a friend named Senator Five, which was actually Senator Ives of New York. And yes, he had three sons. So what the fuck? Like that to me too is like, so there's no way if this guy was like an uncredited extra in this movie and never did anything else big, like danced on Broadway, but like who would know that? Right. It's not like this kid could have even read about it. Right. And it's not like he was like, oh, I was fucking Marlon Brando. You know what I mean? Like some like major Hollywood star. Like that's such an obscure person for this kid to have known. Yeah. Like, hmm. And just to know all these details and so yeah, there's no chance that he found a book about him or saw him on TV and like a documentary, nothing like he'd have to have been given that information. Right. And or lived no his sense. past life. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there was a, another one that I read that I liked that was uh, May 1957. These two girls, Joanna and Jacqueline, who were 11 and 6 at the time, were killed in a car crash in Hexham, Northumberland in the UK. They had been on their way to church with a friend and everyone in the car had died instantly. Their parents, of course, were devastated, prayed that the daughters would come back. Um, Florence, the mother, became pregnant the next year and although her doctors had not believed she was having twins, she did indeed give birth to identical twin girls, uh, Hmm. Gillian and Jennifer. So there were some strange similarities like the baby Jennifer had a mark on her forehead where Jacqueline had a scar and she had the same birthmark on her leg, things like that. Okay. Um, so they moved from Hexham to Whitley Bay when the twins were just a few months old, but when they were four, they moved back. And despite the fact that these girls could not have remembered this place because they were a few months old when they left, they right. had lots of memories and familiarity with um, Hexham. They said they remembered playing on the playground of the school where the deceased daughters had gone to school. They recognized and correctly named toys that the deceased girls had played with. And they became super scared of cars for fear that one would crash into them. Hmm. Um, but when they were five, the memories of their past life vanished. And so it kind of remained a mystery. Which again, that interesting is a common thing. And yeah, I mean, there's countless stories of this again these two men studying this found 2500 cases that they investigated and went and talked with people to see you know what the story was and yes there were a lot of these stories came from kids in cultures where reincarnation was a central belief um but plenty in cultures like that where it's in the uk or in the united states where this is not a place where this is like commonly believed and talked about right so just fascinating to me that like i don't know yeah it makes me nervous for when julian's talking like is he gonna start telling me one day that like he's somebody else shit oh yeah if fox for example ever was like dad i was somebody else in a past life or like was screaming in his in his sleep about how he like was in a a plane crash and was killed by the japanese during world war ii i'd be like fuck do i do we have to call an exorcist like right what uh, do i do about this no thanks yeah, I'm all all good with that. There's so many creepy stories about kids like saying and doing weird shit that I'm just oh, yeah. waiting for the day that Julian like points up into a corner and is like yep. like mama or something up there and I'm like what uh, the fuck? Nope. No. Nope. No. So 
yeah that's yeah. that's pretty much that's what i got um i guess the one last sort of example that i want to give actually i got i got i got i got two more stories okay nice yes so arthur flower dew as in like the dew on a flower okay okay yeah so he was born in 1906 died in 2002 again lived in england um so he from a young age he experienced strange visions of a stone city carved into a cliff which were particularly strong when he played in the multicolored pebbles on a beach near his home because the color of the pebbles reminded him of the the cavern that the stone city was carved into so he just thought this was like like we were talking about like oh did i like dream that or was it just like some movie that i watched or something so you know that was when he was a kid fast forward to when he's an adult he watched a bbc documentary about the ancient city called petra in jordan which if anybody has seen um indiana jones and the last crusade yeah indiana jones and the last crusade it's the city where at the end it's where they find the holy grail uh, spoiler okay. alert um <laughs> wow so it's this it's this wild wild thing where it's literally just like a sheer rock face and they've carved into the rock face they've carved like a building out of the stone oh, it's really yeah, beautiful it's, it's really wild yeah. um so he sees this bbc documentary about petra and he's like holy shit that's that's the place that's where i remember seeing when i was a kid that's these i have all these memories of this place so the jordanian government like he he ended up um going on the news and talking about how he lived previous life in petra and remembered all these things about it so the bbc aired this interview with him and the jordanian government was like yo like we'll fly you out to petra and you can check out the um check out the ruins and maybe you can help us analyze the city or whatever whoa so right so all these archaeologists like before he goes to petra so before he would have had any opportunity to so this is yeah so he's born in 1906 so if he's an adult say he's like in his 30s it would be like the 1930s so Mm -hmm. like it's not like like right now you could go google um you could go google petra and find all this information and you can i think google maps even has like a a 3d walkthrough you can do but back then you'd have like maybe one picture of the outside of petra and that's about it so this would have been something that he wouldn't have known about or had any reason to know about so they these archaeologists test him before he goes to petra and he described the city in astounding accuracy pointed out three prominent landmarks in his from his memory um so no reason he would have known about that stuff gets to petra he goes directly to those landmarks he's walking around like he knows the place like he's not like you know kind of like tentative or trying to figure out where stuff is it's like he's just is walking with a purpose um so he basically ended up explaining um explaining a lot to the the archaeologist who he was with about the place um he correctly identified the locations of many landmarks that had yet to be excavated. Like he told them like, yo dig there. And there was stuff there. Um, and there was also this like weird um, it's, they're unclear about what it is, but there was some quote unquote device that they had found that was, um, you know, vaguely mechanical in nature. And the archeologists were like, we don't know what this is. Like it's, we just found it here. And he offered an explanation as to what the device was used for. Damn. Um, so yeah, he basically had all this crazy knowledge 
And many of the people who he were talking to, like they said specifically, like he didn't come off as a con man. He wasn't trying to make money off this. He wasn't trying to make this like into anything bigger than what it was. Um, and he maintained until the day he died that he had never seen or heard of Petra before the BBC documentary. He had never read any literature about it. Um, and some people like some, uh, okay. The spiritual leaders such as Tibetan Buddhist Lama Sogyal Rinpoche, um, yeah. believes that it's uh, highly right. suggestive evidence for the existence of rebirth and reincarnation. <laughs> Dang. So, yeah, that kind of that kind of blew my mind. He's kind of like the poster child because he he kind of checks all the boxes. Like he was able to before going to Petra, he was able to give this information beforehand that was highly detailed and accurate. While he's there, he tells them, "Yo, dig there." They dig there and they find stuff. And there's this device there that he was like, "Oh, I bet it's for this." And they're like, "Oh shit, you're probably right." Yeah. So fascinating. That's super. Like to me. Yeah, like you could potentially have accident like, oh, I read about that, I didn't remember it, and you it's really familiar to you, but like there's no way he'd know where things were buried. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Because they had like, yet if, like th- there were areas that hadn't been excavated. Yeah. So like any information, especially back in the thirties, that he had access to would have been obviously whatever had already been discovered. And so there's no way he'd know what had yet to be discovered unless he had been there before. Right. Crazy. And, like, not been there recently either. Not been there, like, in the 30s. Like, been there before it was all fucking buried. Right. Damn. God, fascinating. Damn. Um, And then, last but not least. So, we talked a lot about Eastern religions, Buddhism, Jainism. Um, So, we haven't really talked about the Dalai Lama yet. So, Dalai Lama is the sort of... Oh, he's kind of a deity he's basically the dalai lama it's not even just a he but like the dalai lama is a special soul and this soul inhabits has inhabited multiple bodies and there has been a dalai lama going as far back as like the 1100s i guess um right now we're on the 14th dalai lama who is currently alive right now wow um and so the the way that the succession for the dalai lama happens is um so obviously for example, the current Dalai Lama, he will die. He's pretty old, so he could die soon. Um, and when he dies, his soul will leave his current physical form and move on to the next body, as we've discussed. Um, and so it's the job of the the other... Um, oh, man, I wish I, I wish I knew these words off the top of my head, but... <laughs> It's like the job of like other people who are high up in the same religion to figure out where the next Dalai Lama is. Like, where did his soul go and who is it now inhabiting and who will be the next Dalai Lama? Um, This process can take several years in some cases, especially back in the day when you didn't have planes and cars and stuff. So in order to find out who the next Dalai Lama is, because anybody could just be like, yo, I'm the fucking Dalai Lama. Like my son's the Dalai Lama. He told me. But yeah. they have they have a series of like tests that they do. First of all, as the Dalai Lama is um, aging, they they will give sort of if they're like on their deathbed or whatever, they'll say like, oh, I will be reincarnated in like this province um, at this time or whatever. So look there. If that doesn't happen, then they basically just have to go around and ask around. And I think they kind of go first off of people who 
say what I just said, like, oh, my son's the Dalai Lama. He was born like two months ago or whatever. Um, and they they administer a test on all these people or all these kids who may or may not be the Dalai Lama. So the test is they will have a series of objects that they bring with them and they'll lay these objects out on a rug. And some of those objects were like personal objects that belonged to the previous Dalai Lama. And some of them are just random items that are like meant to, that had no significance to the Dalai Lama whatsoever. So the test is the, the, the child or the prospective Dalai Lama has to accurately choose, okay, these are all of the items that I owned in my past life and the rest of them aren't. Whoa. Which is wild that this is, this is a real thing that happens every, like this has happened 14 times. This is how they do it. That's insane. Um, so the current Dalai Lama passed this test when he was, I think he was born. He's old. He's, he's pretty damn old. I think he was born in the forties. Wow. Or no, I think he may become the Dalai Lama in the forties, but anyways, so yeah, so he, he like, there's, I assume that there's, you know, obviously there it's possible that you could luck into just correctly choosing these objects. I don't know hmm. what the mathematical, like, odds are that you could choose all these objects but the fact that a small child because he was he was young when this happened he was just a peasant like he was like like the son of a farmer in the tibetan um like highlands and these people show up and they're like yo we think your son might be the dalai lama they lay all this stuff out on a rug and he choose correctly chooses just the objects that were owned by the previous dalai lama and they're like all right your son's a deity and they're like oh sick sweet holy shit it's, fasc- say, it's like, fascinating. Yeah, like that has to start really young because if he's being reincarnated, then like it's not like it's an adult that they're going to go find. It's like a baby. Right. Huh. Like, shit, man. Right. So how do you what, explain that? What responsibility does this person have? Um, He's the the spiritual leader of a massive religion. Wow. Um, He's like, he's the, he's like the, I think Dalai Lama means the enlightened one. Um, so it's the title given by the Tibetan people to the foremost spiritual leader of the Gelug or yellow hat school of Tibetan Buddhism. So he's a very, he's a very famous, like he's, he's right up there with like the Pope. Like he's, he was actually during Obama's presidency. He was, uh, tied with Obama as the most popular world leader. Wow. Um, he's actually, currently living in exile because the Chinese government invaded Tibet, hence all that free Tibet stuff. So he's actually living in exile in India. And there's all this confusion because as he's, you know, since he's so old and the Chinese government is currently occupying Tibet, um, before it was the, you know, the, the Tibetans sort of duty to choose the next Dalai Lama. But the Chinese government has said, we are going to choose the next Dalai Lama. And unless we, the Chinese government say that this is the correct Dalai Lama, then it is not true. Whoa. And that goes against all of the tenets of Tibetan Buddhism. Jesus. So it's kind of a, I would encourage people to read into it because it's a fascinating, actually really sad story because the Dalai Lama is just a very peaceful and um, seemingly woke person. Cause up until now, all 14 Dalai Lamas have been male because one thing we didn't touch on in the whole reincarnation circle is that the hierarchy of rebirth, how you're kind of moving up the ladder until you 
attain enlightenment and then go to nirvana or whatever and you remove yourself from the cycle in that cycle being reborn as a woman is considered to be less than being reborn as a man of course so it's not not super woke not super feminist but um no the the dalai lama said maybe the next dalai lama will be a woman sweet so he seems he seems more woke than his predecessors at least yeah that's cool huh i mean if you're looking at it solely from like an existence that is less pleasant perhaps than a man's then that would be correct just (laughs) in the sense that pretty much anywhere you go a woman is going to have a harder time but it's a um, self-fulfilling prophecy yeah exactly Hmm. wow see i knew like i basically knew what the dalai lama was but i did not know the extent of that it's wild intense wow so yeah so reading into reincarnation what what kind of struck me the most about it is that it's present in native american tribes it's present in um you know pre-christian europe it's present in christianity um there's small sects in judaism and islam um all of the eastern religions you have buddhism jainism um interestingly nothing from africa at least we didn't touch on anything from africa hmm but yeah nothing came up in my i didn't specifically search for anything to do with that but nothing really came up as far as like as many yeah. of the things that i read were like laying out all of the ep- uh, episodes wow all of the religions that had some belief in reincarnation even if it was just small parts and yeah nothing really came up for that i kind of wonder oh that. actually well, yeah the, the igbo people of nigeria believe in reincarnation okay so Sweet. you have you have the idea of reincarnation on every continent yeah. And so that speaks to something that's either inherent in who we are as a species and the idea of reincarnation just is logical to the way that our brains work or potentially you have some kind of primordial ur religion that was present in humanity back when we were just a small tribe living in Africa and that religion has kind of migrated from Africa and has changed into all these different forms as we've settled in asia europe south america north america yeah it's wild it's It's definitely definitely something inherent in who we are yeah i think i mean yeah i think that is to some degree and i think obviously there are various groups like influenced by other groups so that's always going to be a thing where somebody reads something from another philosophy or another religion and they're like oh yeah that makes sense to me and they kind of you know a lot of religions are sort of in a way a like compilation or a blend of other beliefs put together where like somebody's individual beliefs plus like little bits and pieces from here and there and then it just gets merged into something new and to me is the cool thing about religion in general is that you don't even have to ascribe to just one you can just take little parts like basically every type of religion that i read about in researching this like there was at least little bits where i'm like yeah i could like i can totally believe that like yep i could believe that too like i don't know it's it's interesting yeah that it is such a central thing i don't think i realized how like we said how universal it was i thought it was really a little bit more of a specific belief that just a few religions really held tightly but that is not the case at all so it's interesting to kind of wonder how much basis in reality it has and how again we will never know it's like one of the cool topics that like there's some unknowable topics that we may figure out someday some missing people you know would be found or a murder would be solved but like 
afterlife right. is never going to be solved until we are experiencing it and then it's too late for an episode right sad <laughs> we can't do a follow-up on this no be like yo i died this is dope i'm in a tree Knowable. now yeah so yeah kind of one of the biggest topics i think if, if you made it this far to an hour and a half into this episode um yes i'm super fascinated to know what you think we would especially love to know like what what religion do you possibly identify with if any slash maybe what were you grown up being taught and what do you believe about reincarnation specifically um love to know what you think is it is it common in your your communities or your family's belief system is it unique to you do you think it's all bullshit what what's your thought right i would love to know because very interesting Hmm. so yeah it's wild this is a good one it's a good episode yeah yeah this is great so like we said uh stay tuned next episode a couple weeks from now will be all about heaven and hell the other sort of aspect of the afterlife and then we're going to do a third episode that will sort of tie the two together but also there you know there are some religions whose belief in afterlife doesn't really neatly fit into either one so we'll kind of right do some of those rando ones too but also just kind of wrapping up the whole thing um so stay tuned for that and again happy birthday to alexandria lake this episode is for you this series is for you i hope you really enjoy it and shout out to neil you're awesome for making this happen thank you for pushing us to do this and getting such a sweet and i'm not even saying sweet gift because of us like oh what a a noble episode that's like an amazing gift i just mean (laughs) in general being so specific and personal with your gift giving is very nice so right thank you guys and so cool good on you from the uk (laughs) Yeah. yeah good on you so yeah this is episode 58 reincarnation hope you enjoyed it yeah yeah i did all right i did too it was great <laughs> all right so this has been unknowable unknowable love you <laughs>